Hello and welcome to the Fit Professional Podcast, the number one podcast for fitness professionals looking to build their fitness business. If you're after more clients, more income, and more free time, then you've come to the right place. Visit podcast.fitprofessional.com.au today. Hello and welcome to another Fit Professional Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Campbell, and today residing from far north east England, uh, the other side of the um, world from myself. Uh, so he's getting up to start the day and I'm ending my day. Um, so I'm very pleased to welcome to the Fit Professional Podcast, uh, Paul Morty Mortimus Maximus. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. I'm really <laughs> excited also, yeah. Normally I, I'm, I am the interviewee, as you well know. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this, man. Yeah, excellent. So uh, the, just a little bit of a background um, with Paul is, I, I guess you would say we're we're probably on to our, what would you call a third date, second date. Um, <laughs> yeah, that means I can go to second base with you, right? <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> you, you might have been able to get there on first date, mate, if you're good enough. I know, but, man, uh, I heard you're easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess Paul and myself, uh, we've, we've found each other over Facebook. Um, I reached out to Paul, um, long story short. Um, I've been on his podcast, which we'll, we'll mention um, that I definitely recommend you check it out as well. Um, and now we've got Paul here, um, reigning on the Fit Professional Airwave. So, Paul, I'd like to um, hand over to yourself because you're going to be able to give us a bit of background on who is Paul Mort and uh, what does he yeah, do. Man. Okay, so um, again, I'm not going to I'm not going to bore your listeners to tears, which is I know it's like on a podcast if you get a boring guy on, it's very hard work <laughs> for not only the interview the interviewer, but also for the listeners. So, um, let's do this. So. I um, I used to be a fat engineer working night shifts. I lost some weight. Everybody asked me how I did it. And um, looking back now, I did it the completely the wrong way um, because then I stumbled into personal training, got qualified, uh, started personal training people in a gym. I was then almost thrown out because um, I kind of crushed all the other personal trainers because I started to develop a passion for marketing um, in the fact that all of the other personal trainers in this gym who were paying rent left because they had no clients. I had them kind of all. Um, and it kind of wasn't my fault. Then I got, because I kind of almost got thrown out of this gym, I ended up being the old mobile personal trainer, which I quickly grew to despise. Um, and then one day I was driving to a client. I bought this brand new sports car, a bit of a hairdresser's car, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And I crashed it in a head-on collision got injured quite badly, and then kind of had to reassess what I wanted to do. So I then stumbled across the old boot camp phenomenon. And this was a long time ago now, which was the old the old not a pay-as-you-go boot camp, but a pay-monthly boot camp. So I started to see the kind of the potential of it and the, the, the kind of almost guaranteed income or almost guaranteed income and not paying, not getting paid per the hour, which is obviously swapping time for money. And then kind of grew this monster. And... I had my own bootcamp and I quickly got up to 100 clients. Everybody asked me how I did it, so I started doing a little bit of mentoring with other trainers. They kind of saw the same success. And then I was like, you know what? I'm helping these guys grow their business, but mine has kind of been stuck for three or four years. So then I kind of started doing a licensing program, which is like franchising, and it ended up in 19 locations with um, in four different countries. And then again, I, I get bored very easily. And um, I had a child, 
I moved to Marbella in Spain, which is a very nice area. And then I kind of ended up hating my bootcamp business. Um, so I sold it, set up a supplement company, um, and still did a little bit of mentoring. Um, won some awards, got named in some lists, got on Amazon, um, did a tour of the UK, which basically I went around the UK, um, hired by a company called FitPro, which is like the biggest company in, in England for fitness professionals. Basically, a tour of the UK, teaching other trainers how I was getting results in a group training format that were better than most people got on a one-to-one format. Um, now, I run the supplement company, which is kind of exploding. It's about to go into two of the biggest gym chains in the UK, which is huge for me. It's in a lot of health food stores. It's in a, in a shop called Selfridges, which is a very um, high-end store in, in the UK here. Um, and then I also have an inner circle, which is kind of an old-school um, newsletter that's delivered to your home. So rather than everything being online, I kind of saw a little opportunity for people to step away from the laptop learning and kind of get this newsletter where they sit down, read it, and action it, which is um, which has proved to be a, a bit of a, um, a revelation. And that's, that's kind of so you know what it's like, Brent. I've got I've probably got around about a hundred grand's worth of online programs on my laptop, three quarters of which I haven't even opened. <laughs> you know what it's like when you get distractions, right? So yeah, that's me. Um, I also have bipolar, which is kind of a um, a bit of a pain in the ass, um, but also a little bit of a blessing in disguise because um, although I spend probably a week, a month in bed, um, trying not to kill myself. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. I don't get it that bad. But yeah, I get it. I get a week where I have what I call the black dog where I literally just cry. Um, nothing I can really do about that. Um, but the three weeks before that, I kind of, I'm very creative and I earn a lot of money in that time because of the creativity. So yeah, that's me, mate. Yeah. Excellent. I have no problem telling people about this stuff because I'm very open and honest. And I'm almost, when you were saying the fitness professional um, or the fit professional podcast, I'm kind of anti-professional. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we'll go into that later, the whole anti-professional thing. You've, you've seen my emails, you've heard my podcast. Um, yeah. I guess uh, just talking to that particular point there, it's probably something that, um, you know, I guess initially caught my eye. I was like, my yeah. first my first reaction was, uh, who the fuck's this guy? Who is this guy? Like, you know, like, who, who does he think he is type of thing? But, um, yeah, yeah. but of course, understanding marketing and understanding relationship building and that type of stuff, yeah. I guess it was, you know, you my my second thought to that was he must have his, his own raving crowd. So we'll talk yeah. about that in a minute. But something yeah. that I, I want to, um, I guess, get out of you that's that's always quite valuable, I guess, is you have done a lot of things um, in, your, yeah. in, in your very short bio there. Uh, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that uh, obviously throughout that time, you know, you've you've made mistakes and and uh, yeah. you know, um, I guess changed direction. So I'm always big on asking and finding out what what's your biggest lesson that you've made in in business. So what would the biggest just, lesson? That's a great question. The biggest lesson is actually going to cover the the almost the anti professional point in that I was always attracting a lot of people that I didn't particularly get on with that well and I was always complaining about it. Oh, I'll say to my wife, oh, this person is draining my energy. This person is a little bit sensitive and needs the hand held all the time. Like I felt like I was kind of having a blow smoke up people's butts to make them feel better and I then realized that that was my own fault because I wasn't being myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. I was kind of being the guy that I was expected to be. I was being this all singing, all dancing, let's say cheerleader in the fitness industry. Um, and 
I quickly grew. Well, then I realised, you know what? It's my fault. I'm putting the the energy out there. I'm putting myself out there, and I'm attracting these people. Um. So yeah, I, I kind of then switched my. I kind of just got exhausted, mate. And it happened when I had my first meltdown. When I had a, my very first meltdown, where I couldn't get out of bed for maybe six weeks. And then it became a point of, okay, you've got depression, and then it kept on happening. And I was like, how can I be depressed? I have this magnificent life where I can kind of do what I want. I've got, at this point, I had a trial. I lived in Spain, which is kind of the dream. Um, I'd sold my business, so I didn't have to work at all for a very long time. Um, so I couldn't really get the depression thing. But then, again, like I say, I was then, I was speaking at big, big events in the UK, and... I was being told what I, what I had to wear, what I could say. Cover your tattoos up, take your earrings out, you have to be clean shaven. And I was like, you know what, screw this. So, yeah, kind of, it, it was a meltdown that happened. Mm. And then I realized it was my fault. I then changed tack. And then, you know what, I'm going to be my, I'm going to have the courage. I'm going to plug up some courage and I'm going to have the courage to be myself 100% of the time. And I also realized that not everybody's going to like you, so you have to get over yourself. Mm. Not everybody's going to like you. You can't help everybody and you shouldn't try. Yeah, so that's kind of in short, yeah. Excellent. So let, let's use that then because I guess that the big takeout message from that is to be yourself and, and you, you're going to see that the best results um, that can happen when you are yourself. And, I mean, you just need to look at your supplement company now where it's heading and that yeah. type of stuff. So let's use that as a great segue into yeah. um, explain, explain this. Narcotics, bacon, and massive breasticles. <laughs> okay so that was an email i wrote yesterday that was actually one of the least defensive emails i've wrote <laughs> and people are always intrigued as to why i write that type of email and why i put out that type of content like i say it's just me being me i talk about and i suppose it's a, lo- a lot of trainers and everyone in general has a fear of polarizing people but what happened to me was i attract people now who i would gladly spend time with in a pub for free Mm. Yet I have the privilege of those guys giving me money now. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, again, and, and I have fun with this. I think a lot of fit pros are kind of scared to break the mold. And, and I, I, for want of a better word, they become personal trainery. They post motivational quotes. They think everybody loves training as much as they do. Whereas if they did love training as much as they do, they wouldn't be this obesity epidemic. And let's face it, most people hate training i'm not sure where i'm going with that but um yeah my, again my being myself having fun attracts a lot better quality of person in my life and not people that drain me and need the hands held um because again i think the fitness industry actually has a lot of insecurities um or the people in it have a lot of insecurities and i think that's why there's this much kind of infighting you see i see trainers in in, in my hometown actually destroying each other i'm like why it's not as though there's not enough fat people to go around right <laughs> and i'm, I'm being straight up there yeah, yeah, yeah. and again i get grief in the fitness industry for using the word fat and i'm like you know what sometimes people need to be told the truth and i say this all the time as well dude you can't create change by telling people what they want to hear and i think fit pros a lot of the time can also be guilty of telling people what they want to hear yeah so that's me. That's that's kind of it in a nutshell, mate. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm following you. I'm, I'm picking yeah, up. Yeah. So I talk about out. what I'm interested in, <laughs> and the, the reason email's been so successful for me is because, well, one reason is I write like I talk. And um, if you read my emails after you listen to this interview, you're like, yeah, that's Paul Maud. Um, <laughs> and again, that means if somebody's offended by bad language, 
from my email, they are going to be a terrible fit for me. And, 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 and as I've grown older and grumpier and, <laughs> and yeah, if I want to crankier, and again, I think it's to do with having children. I became very, very wary of who I spend my time with now mm. because I quickly realized that if you spend all of your time with people that complain a lot or always need an arm around the shoulder, then you end up just carrying other people's baggage. And again, I think that happens in the, with trainers as well. You almost become like a counselor, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, let's let's take that and um, I guess just to recap, the, the narcotics, bacon and massive briscoles was a subject line of, of a particular article that, that Paul wrote right. there. So you write um, articles every day. You, you send yeah. email every day. So it would be fair to yeah. say that you, you're pretty well up on you know, the, uh, I guess, best strategies and best practices when it comes to email. Yeah. So let's let's talk about email a bit and, um, you know, give us give us your overview on what your thoughts on actual email is in the industry and, and how it can actually help personal trainers. Beautiful. Okay. I'm excited about this because I am so passionate about email. And, and this, is, this sounds far-fetched, but email changed my life. I think a lot of the time I was hustling when I didn't need to hustle. And hustle's all good, but I always think there's a problem if you have to hustle forever. I'm like, dude, something's clearly wrong here. You don't know your numbers in your marketing. I know we talked about this on our podcast, right, Brett? The numbers in marketing, if you don't know your numbers, then you have to hustle forever. And that should get exhausting because if you take a break, somebody will out-hustle you. And that's the, that's the kind of issue with hustling. It's, you're kind of in a race that you can never win. So, yeah, I'm not a massive – and I think it do, that, there does have to be a period where you hustle. For instance – I have to hustle this week because next week I'm doing another tour of gyms in the UK and teaching other trainers how to kind of sell my product, which is very beneficial <laughs> to me. Yes, it's awesome. Um, so where, where are I going with that? Um, yeah, email changed my life, mate, because I know now I have to do three things in a day. Drive traffic to my website, have a high convert to a high convert and squeeze page or a decent convert and squeeze page or a site, and... I have to send an email, and then I have to deliver what I'm selling. So depending on what it is, I have to make sure I deliver that to the customer at a high value. So that's three things in a day. I know that if that three things are going on, I can take the rest of the day off. And this is one of the reasons how I've been able to cope with this bipolar thing and still grow businesses that are multiple six figures because I've, I've kind of figured out the things that have the biggest return on investment and I've stopped doing the things with the lowest return on investment because I was kind of, again, it's classic 80-20. 80% 20. 80 of your results come from 20% of your efforts. And for me, 20% of the efforts are the three things that I've just spoke about. And let me tell you how I discovered email marketing. I used to write, and I think most people do this, I used to write a blog post every week. I'd spend a day and a half on this blog post, and it was like war and peace. And I think, you know what? This is a badass blog blog post. And then I get a lot of comments on it. Like if, if someone went to my old website, which is bootcampking.com, then they would see some of those giant blog posts with hundreds of comments on them. But guess what, mate? Comments are great for your ego, but they do jack shit for your bank account. And I think in the fitness industry, again, we're guilty of doing things that fill our egos rather than filling our bank accounts, right? Which is, again, the likes thing. Me and you spoke about the likes thing. Likes are great, but they're not leads, um, which, again, you, you can turn them into leads, which is beautiful, Brett. And I hope that the people listening have jumped on a, a program that you've got which teaches that, which is, a, which is pretty badass. So, yeah, I used to do that. 
And then I was in a, my business partner, actually, my business partner in the supplement company went to an event in Texas, I think it was. And there was a guy on stage, it was Perry Belchan, Ryan Dice, who are two of the biggest internet marketers in the world, two of the most successful, right? Mm. And they were raving about a guy called Andre Chaperone, who was an email marketer, and he's, he's, he's been described as the best email copywriter in the world. He has a program called Autoresponder Madness. His whole business is based on autoresponder sequences. And it turned out that he lived two streets away from me in Marbella. So I hooked up with this guy, gave us his product for free. He was like, Paul, just run with it. And I ran with it, and the results were ridiculous. And then I discovered a guy called Ben Settle. Ben Settle, I've had both of these guys on my podcast, by the way, if you want to listen. Ben Settle was a little bit, and again, he writes daily email, but he's very edgy. Like, he's probably a little bit edgier than me. And I kind of fell in love with this guy's writing style because I like other people that are edgy. You know what it's like, mate. You like people who are like you. Mm-hmm. And this guy was edgy. He wrote daily email. I bought his product. Um, and again, I, I kind of blended those two styles together. And again, I saw phenomenal results. And these are the results in my... I've actually got nothing to sell at the moment, which is weird, um, to FitPro. So I have that FitPro list. I went for... My record is four months. Um, that is... How many emails is that? It's a lot of emails <laughs> in yeah. four months. And I went four months where every time I sent an email, I made a sale, at least one sale, which is, which is beautiful. Um, and it also, I do it with my supplement company as well, which sounds weird. This thing can be applied to any business. And we'll go over the benefits of email marketing hopefully in a second. But it increased sales of my supplement by 40%, which is huge. And that was to... Um, retail buyers, and I also email a list of trainers, and it's only one level. This is not multi-level marketing by any extent because I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of the product. I don't. I think the business model is okay, but I'm not a fan of the products that become multi-level marketing. Um, and we also, so I have a list of personal trainers that also either are an affiliate, an online affiliate, or that buy in bulk. And I also email those guys probably three times a week as well. So yeah, the results for me have been phenomenal. And like I say, I'm not, I'm not kind of. And I think this happens a lot, and again, I think you have to start off like this, is I don't throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. So I'm not doing loads of different marketing things and thinking, okay, what's next, what's next? I'm not scratching around looking for things to do. Mm. What I have now is a lot of focus that brings a high return on investment, which I'm big on because I have two kids. They are not in school yet, and I want to spend as much time as possible with them because time is the one thing we don't get back. Once those kids are in school... I'll probably do a little bit more work or take up golf or something. <laughs> <laughs> I could just imagine you on a golf course. <laughs> I'll be the worst golf guy ever because my attention span is horrific. That's why I always go off on tangents. Maybe mini yeah. putt. Maybe you might last around a mini putt. <laughs> yeah. I, think I, I don't know what I'm going to do. When they go to school, I literally have no idea. I'm, I'm a 33-year-old guy. I can't play PlayStation all day. <laughs> So, yeah, and, <laughs> although I have discovered Netflix, which takes up a lot of time, yeah. Uh, so let, let's keep on the track email then, and, and let's Beautiful. let's break down what you believe are the key components that actually make a good email. So everyone, I, I guess what I want to make sure here is and preface the fact that, like you said, you don't want to throw shit to the wall and yeah. hope it sticks. So yeah. someone could be writing an email every day and not getting any results, no replies. Um, yeah. and, and there's obviously reasons for that. So what, what are the key fundamentals that make a good email? First of all, I want, can, can I spend two minutes convincing people why they should email again? Let's go. Just simply because I've spent literally a minute and a half doing this because 
I think we have to convince people to do email first because it's fine. Anyway, let's do it. So why email? It's because it, I think it's intimate, intimate and personal. Is as in you have somebody's attention. Facebook's great, but every thirty seconds something new will pop up. Whereas email now is a little bit more personal. Um, I think it builds up know, like, and trust very quickly, and it positions you as a leader very quickly, especially when you do it daily. Because most people email when they have something to say. But if you're a real expert, you have something to say on your subject every single day. You have permission to market to these people. Um, and for me, it's a way to weed out people that I don't want to work with. And this is something that I want to be clear on. If you don't want to work with a certain type of person, be very clear about it. Because what will happen is the people that you want to work with will be drawn even closer to you. So that's kind of why I like email. There's, there's loads of different things. It's visible. People check it. And for me, I look for things that my com- I mean, I don't worry about competition at all, but I look for things that they aren't doing, and I will do it. That too, most people are too lazy to send out daily email because putting a status update up saying, buy my shit, is so much easier. Okay, good email, Brett. <laughs> Most people have a problem getting their emails open. So a couple of tips for that. Your subject line should be curiosity-based. As in, most people's emails are like four weight loss tips. And the problem with that is it makes me make a decision as to whether I'm going to read it or not. So I'm going to say, yes, I want to read that, or no, I don't want to read that. Whereas what you want me to say is, again, I'm not going to swear because I don't know how PC we are here. Um, what the hell? That's what I should think when I see this subject line. What the hell? So an Obama, a Barack Obama does this very well. His email marketing campaign, whoever he's hiring, is very good. I saw a subject line for him that was, they're wrong. And as soon as I saw that, you're thinking, who's wrong? Mm-hmm. I'm going to open that and find out. And then other things to get your email open is the from line. So where you see from should never be your company. Because as soon as I see that, I'm thinking, these guys are trying to sell something to me. There's no useful content in there whatsoever. So it should be from you personally. And the last thing on that is frequency. The more emails you send, the more opens you'll get. Now, that sounds crazy because people are like, oh, every day, that's a bit spammy. Now, it's not spammy if it is infotainment. And this is the big takeaway that I want to get. We are drowning in a sea of information. Let's face it. The stuff that personal trainers are selling, I can get for free on the internet. And all of that content has been done over and over again, whereas what people really want is entertainment. This is why apps and games on a phone are so big now. This is why Facebook are too big. It's so big because people, you'll, you'll see it, and you know what, Brett? You'll see it in a restaurant. This makes me really sad. People can't hold conversations anymore. Mm-hmm. If you see a family in a restaurant, the both parents will be on their phones. Sometimes the kids are on an iPad, and I'm like, that is bad. So what I'm saying is people want entertainment. So the email that you write should be entertaining. So things that are great for this are stories, something that's happened in your life. Yesterday's email for me was based on a movie that I went to see, which is Wolf of Wall Street, which has a million lessons in it. also has some funny things in there. Um, you might write about something that happened at the weekend. You might write about something that you did when you were a kid. You might write a story about a client and something, some client, almost like a testimonial, but story-based. And this is why, people, again, people want entertainment. People like reading stories because they're like, yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah, I've seen that movie. Yeah, I've seen that celebrity. So, yeah, all good. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my tips for that. And here's another one. Do not be scared to sell in every email. People don't mind being sold to. It's just the way you sell. Mm. So this is the way I do it. 
I see it as I give. If you don't give people the opportunity to see what you have for sale, then you're doing them a disservice. And that's all you're doing. You're giving them the opportunity to see what else you have. So this is the way that I do it. I will teach somebody in an email, in a story-based format, I'll teach them why they should or should not do something. And I'll also teach them what to do. But if they want to know how to do it, then they buy. Does that make sense? 100%. So I'll teach them the what and the why, but if they want to know how, they have to buy. That's a nice little rhyme there. So I'm kind of giving them um, I'm, I'm giving them advice that's useful so they can use it, but if they want to know the inner workings of it to make it really work for them, then they have to invest in a product or the inner circle. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and that's, Good. for me, that's email. Another one is, is don't keep it to 500 words. An email can never be too long, only too boring. But if you keep it at 500 words, what happens is people can consume it in a couple of minutes. And again, with the blog post, what I do, and you've probably done this, Brett, is I take, I bookmark big blog posts because I'm like, you know what, this is going to take me 10, 20 minutes to read. And guess what? I've got bookmarks on my Internet Explorer or my actually Chrome that I use. I've got bookmarks that have been there for three years. (laughs) Yeah. And I've never got around to reading that. People's attention spans are horrific. That's why they always hit refresh on their screen. They're hitting send, receive on their email all the time. Um, what else are they doing? That's why they're, they're on Facebook checking the news feed because their attention spans are horrific. So let's let's talk about something there that, that you brought up. Now, <clears throat> for the person who's not familiar with email marketing and, and writing blog posts, etc., what yeah. is your opinion on just sending a raw email versus sending an email uh, with a link to a so blog that post? That is a wonderful question. And you've noticed that I do that, right? I, the, here's the thing about raw email in plain text. Your email should look like it's from a friend. Because simply because if I see graphics, if I see pretty pictures, if I see logos, I'm thinking straight away, this guy's going to try and sell me something. I don't want to buy anything. Yeah, I'm having a, I'm, I'm kind of making a yes or no decision as soon as I see the email. So plain text looks like it's from a friend. And let's look at what you're trying to do here. You're trying to become this person's trusted advisor so that the more emails you send them that are useful, they will then trust you, which means that. And again, not everybody's ready to train with you. Not everybody's ready to train with you right now. So who do you think, when they're ready to train, when they're ready to take some action on getting into shape, who do you think they're going to contact? The person that's sending them useful, entertaining content every day. That's only 500 words, so they read it, which is the whole point of an email. You need to get it read. Or do you think they're going to be sending the person that's constantly pitching or shouting their loudest on social media? Because that's what social media is. It's shouting normally. You're trying to shout louder than the competition. Yeah, that's that's kind of it on plain text. So yeah, it in, gets read. In, rega- in regards to, I guess, um, the, the question also, um, what's your opinion based around whether actually just sending an email without any links to a blog post or um, – <laughs> Writing a, a quick yeah. a quick snapshot and then directing them to the blog post to read the rest. Yeah. What's what's your thoughts on that? What's that, your well, that's um, a wonderful question. That's a wonderful question. And again, something that I used to do was send them the blog post. And I know people like Ryan Lee do that as well. Ryan's one of my favorite internet marketers and a friend of mine. Get him on the podcast, and he sends people back to a blog. But my opinion is this: I have your attention in your inbox. Why would I then send you somewhere else? Yeah, because as soon as I send you back to my blog, and if you look on people's blogs, there is a lot of stuff. 
blogs are kind of, there's loads of stuff on there. I've got other articles I can read. I've got links to your About Us. I've got links to your bio. I've got links to your products. It's almost like I'm standing at the checkout. I'm, wait, I'm ready to pay, and then you send me somewhere else. I, don't, I kind of don't want that. I want your full attention so you read my email. But there should be a link in there, but it's a link to your sales page or a link to fill in a questionnaire so you contact me and, and get me on the phone or whatever. But that's my opinion on it anyway. Mm. Yeah, so, you've got my attention, so why would you then send me somewhere else where there's, a, there's kind of other things that will... Ju- and here's the way I look at email, Brett. You, you're trying to get people. Imagine you're in a busy nightclub and you see a girl or a guy that you like, you think they're hot. I wouldn't mind, um, I'm not even going to go into that, but you know what I mean? And the nightclub is loud. You can't hear yourself think. You're trying to have a conversation. You're having to shout in this person's ear. And then there's also the fact that there is a lot of competition in that nightclub. Other guys have seen this girl. Other, gir- other, other girls have seen this guy. And having them in that, this sounds quite rude, but being in their inbox is like saying or like taking them to somewhere a little bit more quiet. Do you want to go somewhere quieter or your place or mine? So taking them back somewhere else, in my opinion, apart from a sales page at the end of the email, which you, where you're showing them what else you've got. <laughs> this sounds so bad, but so right. Um, and uh, taking them back to somewhere that where there's some noise and there's distraction is like taking them back to the busy nightclub. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's kind of that's kind of uh, and again, my opinion is based on the results that I've got with it. And again, it, I, I, I will go so far as to say it's changed my life. And, and I guess yeah. right, right there, the, the take-home message for that is because I, I guess if you know if I was playing the devil's advocate there, I yeah. get my, my and this is the great thing about the industry and the market is that there's there's many different ways to skin the cat, so to speak. And w- I actually don't take the approach as much in regards yeah. to just a specific email. So we will send people yeah. to our blogs, etc. Because I guess from our perspective, with the amount of traffic that we get and the amount of yeah. Re- readers who read our email, we- we'd pick up several sales every time we uh, send out yeah, an email you know, to if our if it's at the, if it's at the, and, and the, the last two emails that I've sent, I've sent them to videos, actually hilarious videos, because the, the, the reason I like to make people laugh is Dan Kennedy said this quote, people will buy more when they're in good humor. Mm. People will buy more when they're in good humor. So I like to make people laugh. So I'll send them the funny videos. I will. I actually watched that video. Email, and this, that's a great point, Brett, actually. Every email should have a link. And this is the simple reason. You're conditioning people to click links. And if they're clicking a link that has a high return on investment for them, again, regardless of whether it's a blog post or a video or whatever, or a sales page, it means that when you do send them to something, even just a PayPal link, then they are so used to clicking a link that has a high return on investment, then they have no problem clicking that link. And again, that's kind of the point of an email. Point of an email, get it opened, get it read, get a link clicked, and then get a sale. That's the whole point of email marketing. And otherwise, you just kind of, again, it's, it's kind of, there's no point in doing it if you're not making sales from it. 100% agree with you. So let, let's change yeah. tack for a second here. I've just got a, yeah. uh, a quick pattern interrupt to the session here. And it's a uh, segment that I'll call Shoot, Shag, or Marry. Now, I'm going to say a female's name, and you are going to say either Shoot, Shag, or Marry. Okay? You understand? Okay. Yes. Oprah Winfrey. Shoot. Oh, it took, took you a few seconds. I need you, need you to be quicker on the buzzer, okay? Okay, let's go. <laughs> I won't ask let's why. Go. Miley Cyrus. Shag. Queen Elizabeth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Barry. <laughs> Maybe because I won't have to work another day in my life. Screw email, Margaret, when you're married to Queen Elizabeth. 
Well, you probably wouldn't have to work either if you uh, didn't shoot Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually... Yeah, she, she's she's like, annoying. The Queen hardly ever talks. She's weird, right? <laughs> well, you, or you could actually swing on a wrecking ball up to you. But uh, <laughs> exactly. looks, looks like that's what you're doing. <laughs> so... <laughs> So go, go back to a question that I like to ask every um, professional that we get on the on the podcast yes. here is where do you see the industry heading in the next five years and what do you think um, is something that personal trainers must do to, to stay alive? Next five years next five years is going to get very competitive. Every year we're seeing more and more personal trainers coming to the industry. And here's what you've got to think about. It's not a problem. Competition is not a problem unless you're trying to train everybody with a wallet, a pulse, and a few pounds to lose. The more you polarize or the tighter your niche is mm. the more money you will make and the less the more irrelevant competition comes that's it that's it and i think that um the as in kind of trends in the in the, the way you do this i think smaller group training will be the thing that is the best i think there's always a market for high-end personal training high-end i wouldn't go budget because budget's based on volume and I think kind of semi-private, six to ten people in a group is the way to go because people love that social side, the community, the kind of support. For me, that's where I would go. Excellent. Yes, I see. And I think that there's, there's a couple of things that people want. Faster results, and this is a big thing, is convenience. People, people are impatient and they want convenience. This is why people do speedy boarding. People also want an experience. That's why people fly... If people didn't want an experience, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be any first class. Everybody would go cattle class, right? Mm -hmm. So people want an experience and they want convenience. What I mean by that is you should be bundling supplements into your personal training programs because sending people to go and buy stuff and go to health food stores and order stuff online, it's a bit of an inconvenience for them. Mm -hmm. So make it easy for people to pay but also bundle things in. I know personal trainers that bundle food in. So, and I'm talking meals here. I'm good friends with a guy that owns a huge company here in the UK, which you go on his website, you put in your weight and your height. Again, it's not the best calculation. And put in your goals. And from there, his team will cook your food and deliver it to your door mm. for the week. Convenient. Yeah. And uh, bundling things like that in is huge. And again, you, the more money you charge for these type of things and the higher end you go, the better clients you get because those guys are the least maintenance and they're also the highest adherence because if they're invested more in something, the adherence is higher. Mm. And I think a good point there for all the listeners um, listening in is that um, it, it doesn't just come down to the specific of training. There's multiple streams of income there to be earned. And I guess with all our FitCheck locations, and as, as an example, Paul, yeah. um, you know, all our location owners you know, get the opportunity to sell our fit supplement brand that we've got. So I, I did the hard yards in the years of carrying around um, supplements in the boot of my car, um, uh -huh. <laughs> trading cash. Um, <laughs> Doing and, sort of that. Yeah. Did, did you remember this, right? <laughs> Can you remember the Total Gym XLI? Can you remember that? Yes. It was like this big, it looked like an ironing board, but it was like a pulley system. I used to carry that in my car. And it was, it was <laughs> super damn. heavy and super awkward. And then oh. I used to go to someone's house and I have to pull it out and set it up. And I was like, dude. This is, yeah, that was one of the things that made me make the decision. This is not for me anymore. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Paul. Carry dumbbells out of your car. Whoa. Yeah, you Oof. did right. Did yeah, right. I'm, I'm getting a sweat on just thinking about those days. So I guess the, the take-home there is, is the industry is um, always evolving and there's yeah. so many more opportunities out there and, and it's 
the bigger it gets, the more opportunities there are going to be there for you because there's going to be more room to adapt. Um, Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess, um, Paul, we're, we're getting to the end uh, of the episode here. Like, like last time, we could speak all day, I believe. Yeah, um, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Because <laughs> I, I didn't even, even realise we've gone past uh, 30 minutes already. Um, yeah. So... I guess what I, what I always like to do is I, w- I would like to leave um, the episode, first of all, on, on some parting words from yourself. Any extra advice, yeah. any anything that uh, you feel would be valuable for someone to, uh, yeah. to take yeah. away? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, a nice point here. I always get asked how to get, what should I read to get better at writing? What should I read to get better at emails? What are some products that you recommend to get better at emails? I'm like, dude, just start off as a bad writer and write yourself better. So just start writing write yourself better you don't lose weight by reading books about it it's the same with writing you don't get better by reading books about it and doing products sure you can get some pointers like like this but you should start writing that's it and my opinion is this on writing if you how can you be considered an expert if you don't put out content you can't you can't be considered an expert if you're not putting out content if you look at any expert in our industry they put out and they are relentless with content that's that's my opinion. So that's where I would go with that. That's kind of my my, my part and shot. Start writing now. Excellent. Well, you've, I must say you've actually inspired me to, to throw in another email or two each week. So um. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's like this: if you get paid every time you write an email, why wouldn't you write more? Yeah, that that's dead right, and I guess it comes back to that thing once again of um, you know organizing and, and realizing the importance as well um, even and and again you even if you're sitting there listening and you've only got fifty people on your email list. The same rule applies whether you've got 50 or 100,000, half a million people. Same rule applies. Um, you've got to start somewhere. Uh, and, you know, if, if, you don't, uh, if you don't start, you, you're never going to start, right? Exactly. It's, like a, a, it's, a guy, it's a guy called Darren Hardy who wrote a great book. I can't remember. Do you know Darren Hardy from Success Magazine? Uh, haven't Have you heard, heard of him before? No, I haven't. He wrote a book, and I it's called The Something Effect. I can't, oh, I can't remember what it's called. But he describes this like... A, a merry, I don't know if it's a merry-go-round. You know that thing that you have to push? Yep. And it's momentum. Once you get big more going, so once you start, the momentum builds up and suddenly you're cranking out content, content, content. Mm. So you just got to start writing. Yeah, that's it. Excellent. So, uh, Paul, where, where can uh, all our listeners um, find out more about yourself? And um, I'd probably recommend okay, you know, j- jumping jump, jump on. I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay down a word of warning already. You know how it is, Brett. If you are easily... <laughs> Offended, and if you what I call a sensitive snowflake, don't come over here because I will offend you at some point. <laughs> um, my website is IamPaulMort.com, and you can find me in the iTunes store by typing in my name. Yeah, that's excellent. It. So there you go. Head over to uh, Paul Mort. Um, yeah, IamPaulMort.com. That's right. So uh, Paul, brother, thanks so much for uh, for taking your morning um, out of your busy day no doubt I've got an insane insane morning but it's my fault yeah yeah it's definitely it's definitely not my fault so uh, don't take that I did that thing this is why I have have to have somebody organise me because I just say yes to everybody and I end up quadruple booked (laughs) excellent All right, man thank you brother I appreciate it till the next one mate have a great day cheers man bye bye bye